So, um, thank you um, for um, the opportunity to preach this morning. I'm really grateful to be up here. And I just want to say that I'm not focusing just on the youth this morning. Um, I really feel God's put something on my heart to speak to all of us, to everyone. So, um, I just want to encourage that no matter what age you are this morning, that uh, you try to hear from God this morning. As, and, uh, and my heart is to just share with you what God has been saying to me as I've been preparing my preach. So um, try not to think of it as being me saying this. Um, just remember, you know, God could speak through a donkey, so maybe if you just imagine me being a donkey, that would help, and then you just hear from God. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought you might be. Thanks, Andy. Um, so, and there'll be a prayer time at the end. I would encourage you that if you feel God speaking to you to come and get prayed for. Um, so actually, I, I kind of feel like um, I want to start by just reading this, which I was reading last night. It'd been on my mind. It wasn't in the preach, but I think it fits in uh, with Tom's uh, word that he brought about uh, being invited into the family. Because uh, sometimes we feel like we're not good enough to be adopted into God's family. And we like to just stand on the doorstep and not actually come all the way in. Oh, I'm not good enough. I can't be part. I'm not good enough. I've got to improve myself. I used to think that. I've got to improve myself. I've got to improve myself before God will accept me. Well, this is from a book called All of Grace by Spurgeon. May I therefore urge upon any who have no good thing about them, who fear that they have not even a good feeling or anything whatever that can recommend them to God, so you think you're a bit rubbish, really, that they will firmly believe that our gracious God is able and willing to take them without anything to recommend them and to forgive them spontaneously, not because they are good, but because he is good. So I've got two points uh, that um, I feel God has um, put on my heart to, to bring, and both came during time of prayer, so I'm, I'm very confident that um, God was speaking. And the first point is that uh, God works in ways that we don't expect. God loves to surprise us. I asked Vicky about this uh, a couple, about a week ago. I said, has something ever happened in your life which wasn't at all what you were expecting? And she turned to me and said, you! <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. Uh, Vicky, Vicky had been praying for her husband, and God gave her one, but not the one she was expecting. <laughs> when, I sent her, um, when I invited her out for the first date, I sent her a text, and she actually shrieked and dropped her mobile phone. Um, so she definitely wasn't expecting it. And then when Andy Johnson, who was the previous elder here, found out I was going on a date with Vicky... Uh, he said to my friend Brian, she won't be interested in, I bet my house on it. And he did, actually said that. So Brian did let him keep his house. Um, and I did bring it up in my, um, my groom's speech. I, I, I managed to uh, shame him for that. But sometimes we receive gifts from God that are not what we're expecting. So um, I've got some videos. Children, I've got some videos for you to watch and for everyone to watch. And the first one um, is of um, our, my granddaughter, our granddaughter, um, Leah, who's the daughter of Tom and Ali, who go to the church in Southampton. And uh, we, when she was about one, just after lockdown started to lift and we were allowed to start getting together, we met in a park and we gave her this 
this doll, and she really didn't know what to make of it. Didn't know what to make of it. And, and then the second clip is her sort of rejecting the doll, and I think it's quite funny. Okay. Oh, good, thank you. Yeah, so I was going to talk between them. But the first, um, so obviously she loved the, the, she loved the doll in the end. About, you saw the second clip a year later, she loved it and she was playing with them. Now, this is not one of my grandchildren. I got this off of YouTube. And, uh, and this, this boy has a complete meltdown. Obviously, the present what wasn't what he was expecting. He got something in his mind, stuck in his mind, about what he wanted for his birthday. And he just got that so stuck in his mind. And... Even though the gift that he got was a good gift, because it was a surprise, he didn't know how to handle it. We can be like that, can't we? Even as adults sometimes. It's, uh, it's quite funny, this one. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> now, children, have, I, have we got the microphone here? So, children, I've got a question for you. Oh, you can be the runner. Yeah, oh, sorry, of course, that would make more sense. Um, so children uh, and teenagers, have you ever received a gift from someone that wasn't what you were expecting? Let's hear, has anybody got one for us? Yep. Speak nice and loudly into the mic. When I thought it was a box of chocolate from Josiah, it turned out it was just a, a back pack of bouncy balls. Oh, that was mean. <laughs> Did you hear that? He thought he was getting chocolates, but his dad gave him bouncy balls. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, my sister made some rock cakes for my older sister, and she parceled them up and sent them from Wales to Eastbourne for her. And uh, when my sister opened the present, she thought it was chocolate, so she was putting it away for Christmas. <laughs> oh! So my, my other sister had to tell her, no, they were rock cakes. So with screams of delight, she started tucking it, opening the packet and tucking into it, but it would have been a laugh at Christmas, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So God's gifts and his solutions to our prayers are often rejected because they don't fit our expectations. People reject Jesus, reject Jesus sometimes saying the gospel is illogical or it's too good to be true, or it's plain stupid. I've actually people, had people tell me that I'm stupid because I believe in it, believe in him. Our limited human understanding lacks the capacity to fully grasp what God does because he's not like us. His ways are higher than our ways. The Bible says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways uh, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your, th uh, your thoughts. Jesus said that we can be sure that God's gifts will always be very good. He said this, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Um, I don't know if this is on the slides. Should we just move on the slides and see? Next one. Okay, just pause there for a moment. Thank you. Um, but Jesus was very careful not to say, if your son asks for bread, will you not give him bread? Or if he asks for fish, will you not give him fish? God's not saying you're going to get exactly what you ask for, but it will be better than you ask for. Because God does not give as the world gives. And that's the first point. And the second point, uh, so the first point was about 
you know, not getting what we expect sometimes. And the second point is that all good things come from the Lord. Um, during a prayer time a few weeks ago, I was just praying and I was mulling over and thinking about where would my life be if God hadn't come? I wonder what I would be doing now if God hadn't come into my life. And I suddenly realized, looking at what a disaster my life would have been if I hadn't invited God in. And I started seeing all the little things that God had done to get me where I am. And I could clearly see it wasn't me. None of getting where I am today with the job and the wife I have and the the great church that I'm in, none of that was because of me. None of it. I cannot take credit for any of it. It was all God. And then the Holy Spirit came while I was praying and he spoke to me so clearly and he said, all good things come from the Lord. And I knew that I'd read that in the Bible. I, I, it was a long time ago, but I wasn't quite sure where it was. But I looked it up, and uh, here's the verse. Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow. That's James 1. So I, I sort of got it up on my, my uh, phone, and I was thinking about bringing it on Sunday morning, and I thought, I won't bring it because I brought something last week and the week before. I let other people do it, and I just held on to it in my heart. And then right at the end, Sarah Simmons got up and said, I feel God's given me this verse. And she said, do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift. She read the same verse, the one that I hadn't read for years. And I knew that God, that was why, Rob, I was so excited that morning and jumped up. And I was like, oh, give me the same one. Um, so that's what happened that morning. So I knew God was speaking to me. I believe there are people here this morning who are being deceived, forgetting what God has done for them in the past. God is saying, remember all that I've done for you. You could not have got where you are without me. Don't be deceived and think it's you. It's me, he's saying, and thank him. See, faith looking backwards gives us faith looking forwards, doesn't it? When you look back with faith, then you start to look forward with faith. And it's something that Israel did not do. So I should have the slide. We've got this slide now. So Israel, I'm going to give you a bit of a backstory. Israel saw many signs and miracles, but the people were deceived and forgot what God had done for them. Eventually, next slide, the nation of Israel split into two. So we got Judah in the south and Israel, they retained the name Israel in the north. And uh, God loved them, but they turned their love to idols, to false gods, even after everything he'd done for them. Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then came King Jeroboam in Israel, the first king of Israel. He was so bad that his name was used as the standard for evil. So next slide. Each bad king was described as worse than the one before, walking in the way of Jeroboam. King Ahab, nothing to do with Wales, if you go on two slides... You say, they all say, walking in the way of Jeroboam. If you go to the next slide. And then Ahab was the worst. He married Jezebel, a pagan Baal worshipper from Sidon. She butchered God's prophets with Ahab's approval. 
Now, Dale Ralph Davies, who is um, the author of a book I'm reading at the moment, he said, Jeroboam's state cult is like drinking polluted water. And this is a little bit gross, so I do apologize. Ahab's imported paganism is like sucking raw sewage. Mm. Can't imagine what that would be like. But that was, that's how evil things had become. The people didn't see themselves as evil. They believed and did whatever they wanted. It doesn't matter. They thought we can do that. God's not watching. Is our time much different today? There are many faithful Christians on earth, but society ignores God as if he doesn't exist, believing and doing whatever it likes. The word of God means nothing, and people don't expect Jesus to be the answer. And Ralph Davis says this again. He says, how often God's people assess their times, find that they are facing cultural decadence, vanishing standards, godless government, spiritual compromise and deduce that things can't get any worse. So, Elijah comes on the scene. God needs to make Israel listen. So children, another question for you. Just think about it. I won't bring the mic around. What, do you, what should your parents do when you're naughty and you don't listen? I, I won't send the mic around. It might be embarrassing. But just have a think. If you don't listen, what do your parents do to make you listen? And then another one. What did God do to make Israel listen? Well, he sends them a powerful prophet, Elijah. And his appearance is completely unexpected. By the way, Elijah means God is Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh is the ancient name for God in Israel. And through Elijah, God unexpectedly stops the rain. So it's like the equivalent of a three-and-a-half-year hosepipe ban in Israel. And... Uh, and Elijah says to, if we go to the next, um, that's it. Elijah says to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. See, before whom I stand, which is the title of the series, it means who I serve. See, Elijah is standing before Ahab physically, but he's standing before the Lord as the Lord's servant not Ahab's. In Deuteronomy, Israel was warned that if they turned from the Lord, drought would come. It says it very clearly on the next slide. But the word of God meant nothing to the people. They just ignored it. So the drought came because God was breaking the power of Baal. Baal was the human god of the weather, if you like. So God was sort of turning off the tap, and it was a damaging blow to Baal's reputation. Uh, theologian Ronald Wallace says, to see Elijah appear thus reminds us that we need not despair when we see great movements of evil achieving spectacular success on this earth. For we may be, we may be sure that God, in unexpected places, has already secretly prepared his counter-movement. His own cause will never fail. And we know that God's counter-movement is Jesus, don't we? That Jesus came as the counter-movement. So we look around us and we think that everything's terrible, but we know that God is sovereign. He has a plan. He's already sent Jesus, and his plans will not fail. So, next slide. Elijah goes to a brook. God commands Elijah to travel to a stream. 
called Cherith and be fed by ravens. Now, if that was me, I would be tempted to think, uh, and by the way, it was a 30-mile trek to the brook from where he was living. So if you go to the next slide, if it was me, I would be tempted to think, did God really say I've got to sit by a stream for ages, drink water and be fed by birds and ravens, which were considered in God's word to be unclean? That's ridiculous. But sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make sense to us. So what was the purpose? The purpose is that God was, as as judgment, he was taking uh, Elijah out of Israel and and, uh, taking his word away from them. Then the brook dries up and God tells Elijah that a widow will provide for him in a town 80 miles away. So then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I've commanded a widow to feed you. Now, widows in the Bible are depicted as being synonymous with poverty and need. So to to say that you're going to be um, sustained by a widow in the middle of a drought is ridiculous. And we're told that it was a Gentile widow, so this is a pagan widow, not even one of God's people, not even one that is a believer. And in Sidon, where Ahab's wife came from, so her father, uh, her father lived there, so it's a dangerous place to go. It seemed crazy, but this was all part of God's plan. About 900 years later, Jesus referred to Elijah and the widow. He was in his hometown, Nazareth, reading a scroll. And uh, the people began to doubt in Jesus. And Jesus said, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But I tell you, there were many widows in Israel. And God didn't go to any of them. But during the great famine, Elijah was sent to um, Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow there. And they got so angry because they knew he was saying, because of your uh, unbelief, God will go somewhere else. Now, when they heard these things in the synagogue, they were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and, uh, and tried to throw him off a cliff. See, they rejected Jesus. God's own people rejected him because Jesus wasn't what they were expecting. They were expecting the Messiah would come to the religious elite. But he came from a young woman. They thought he would come in glory, but he came in infancy. They expected he would praise the religious and chastise the sinners, but he chastised the religious and he loved the sinners. They thought that he would deliver them for the Romans, but he allowed himself to get arrested and crucified on a cross. So anyway, Elijah goes to this place. Next slide. And uh, I'm not going to read all of that out, but basically he goes to, and he meets the widow at the gate of the city, and he says, um, can you give me some water? And uh, she says, um, yeah, fine. And he says, can you bring me a morsel of bread? And she says, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour Here's a handful of flour. A handful of flour, that's all she had. And a little jar of oil. So I've got a little bit of oil, olive oil. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So to ask for a last meal before you're going to die seems completely heartless of Elijah. Um, 
And he says to her, don't fear, do as you said, but go and make me a cake first. And God says, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the Lord sends rain. The widow could have said, are you crazy? He's a stranger. She'd never met him before. What are you saying? That's, that's crazy. I, literally, how am I supposed to believe this? But she didn't. She exercised faith. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The flour did not run out, and the jug of oil did not run out. But God didn't produce a year's worth. He, proved, he just made sure that each day there was still a little bit in there. So she had to have faith for each day. Many of us had more theology than that widow, but it was only her faith that resulted in a miracle. See, God was looking at her heart. God was asking for the first fruits because giving the first fruits shows where our heart is, and it demonstrates putting God first. God said, seek first the kingdom, and then all things will be given to you. So if you're not a Christian this morning, don't say to God, prove yourself first, show me the miracle, and then I'll believe. First comes faith, and then the miracle. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And later on, the, um, her son got sick. And she said to Elijah, are you just reminding me of my sin? that my son is, is died. And uh, he prays for the son three times, and he comes back to life. Isn't that a picture of Jesus after three days when he's risen again? Everyone knows in their heart that they've made mistakes and done things wrong. We call that sin, but it's just knowing a conviction inside that you've done things wrong. Jesus wants to come into our lives to remove the worry and the shame. Sometimes we feel that we have no sin and shame. But then if you feel like you have no sin and shame and you don't need help, then you feel like you don't need Jesus. The widow was conscious of her sin, and she was humble of heart, and she acted in faith. Remember the thief on the cross? He just simply believed in his heart and he asked Jesus for help. The other thief didn't. So she was brought back to life. And uh, it proved to her that he really was sovereign over even death, that God was sovereign over even death. Jesus says in Revelation, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and behold, I hold the keys of death and Hades. She was experiencing that all good things come from the Lord. So I've nearly finished now. So God's unexpected gift to you this morning is Jesus. God loves the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He did not come into the world to condemn us. He came into the world to set us free and to save us. And God comes into personal lives like that of the widow. He didn't fix the evil world around her, but he provided for her and protected her while she remained in the world. So don't, if you're not a Christian this morning, don't look around at the world and say, where's God in the world? God's not doing anything. He can't exist. 
Jesus said the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, look, there it is. He said, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. He's in you, he's in your life. And if you've ever seen someone become a Christian, you can see the change in their life. So my, my last thing that I want to say is that if you know that you're not a Christian this morning, or perhaps, and, and please forgive me for saying this, but this is true of any church, so I think it's okay for me to say this, perhaps you think you're a Christian, but maybe you're not quite there yet. And God says in his word, examine yourself. Have you really invited Jesus in, or are you just standing on the doorstep and doing church? The widow invited Elijah in, and they ate together. Then she saw miraculous provision in her life. Jesus is saying to some of you this morning, invite me in, and I will eat with you. In return, when you invite him into your life, he will give you forgiveness, peace, and a new life. In Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he, he with me. Just as Elijah came in and ate with the widow and she was provided for. So don't be like Ahab, who would rather live in the darkness, comfortable with the world. Be like the widow, humble of heart, inviting Jesus in. Don't put it off because it's inconvenient. It was inconvenient for the widow to share her last meal. But seek, like Tom said in his preach last week, seek first the kingdom, not comfort. And don't make excuses like, I don't want to get too involved. I just stand on the doorstep. On the cross, your sins were laid on Jesus and they became his, his sins instead of yours. He took the judgment of God instead of you. That's amazing. So he's inviting you in. He's holding out his hand and saying, come and receive this. Come right in to the family. I want to do, not because you are good, but because I am good. Here's some common questions that people ask on Alpha. What about science and evolution? Maybe you've got some questions this morning. What about religions, other religions? If God is real, why doesn't he stop all the suffering and the wars? What about the evil in the world? Does God even care? Sometimes the answer is unexpected. We've got all these questions, but when we tell people the answer is Jesus, they think, what? How does that answer these questions? It's so unexpected. That can't make sense. And if you're one of those people, I'd love to invite you to come to Alpha, which is um, going to start on the 5th of October and where we answer all these kind of questions for you. Um, it, and so you can just uh, let Jenny know if you've got someone to bring, or perhaps you're here this morning you want to come. But it's, it's primarily for people who are not Christians, or maybe you think you're Christian, but you're not sure. And finally, with the band come up? Is the band around? We've lost the band. No, they've gone to sleep. I've put you to sleep. Oh, we're going to pray to finish. I'm sorry. Okay. That's fine. Is that because I've overrun? I'm very sorry. No, okay. So for Christians, here's, here's a word for you, for Christians. Look back at what God has done. You haven't got where you are on your own. All good gifts come from the Lord, and you are where you are because of him, not because of you. Thank God that you have Jesus. Don't be like Israel. 
be like the widow. Think about what your life would have been like without Jesus. Mine would have been awful. Faith that looks back gives us faith that looks forward. And to the youth, I say, don't be like Israel that turned to to idols. And there were two modern idols I thought you should be careful of. Popularity and ungodly relationships. So if any of these things have spoken to you this morning, I'd like to welcome you all to stand now. Is that okay if you all stand? Do you want me to pray? Okay. Yeah, I'll pray. That's fine. So just like Elijah said that he stands before the Lord, I'd just like to invite you all personally here just to say to yourself, I'm standing before the Lord. And say to the Lord, I stand before you, Lord. It's quite a challenging message this morning. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, for everyone here. Lord, just like the word we had about... um, you know, digging up the soil, the rotation of the fields, Lord, that you this morning, you're, you're just digging up our hearts, turning it over and putting your fertilizer in, Lord, reminding us that you are good, but we need to invite you in. We need to not follow idols. We need to exercise faith like the widow, faith of a widow who had nothing about her to recommend her to God. There was nothing special about her. And it was just by faith that she was provided for. Because you are good. I just pray, Lord, would you come and speak to our hearts? And I just pray, Lord, that um, as, as we finish now, if anybody wants to be prayed for, would you just come down to the front and come see me? Um, and we'll pray for you this morning. Amen.